1: That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Mentor. Today, I've got a great story about how taking a risk can pay off. The business is called Sport Heroes, and my guest is Sam Canavan, the Managing Director of the Australian Arm of the business. Sport Heroes is an app. Allows users to plug in their fitness tracking data and get some rewards. They can get exclusive offers and they can actually enter into some prize drawers just for exercising. That's pretty cool. So think of it like frequent flyers for exercise programs. Sam will talk more about this, but the business has started by two guys in France who hacked into the Nike fitness tracking data and had 10,000 users before Nike even knew about it. I love that. I'm keen to talk about the tech. And how it can be used for more than just the fitness industry as this business grows? So let's get straight into it. Sam Canavan, welcome to the Mentor. Now, mate, I love this story about hacking into Nike. So I, I just can't resist. You have to tell me about that first. How did that all happened? Like, what's what's the deal? So,
0: Sport Heroes, a few years ago, over in France, a couple of young upstarts who had no experience in tech saw this opportunity around motivating people with activity trackers. So a lot of people track their running and their cycling, their skiing, Nike, Plus, Fitbit, TomTom, you know, all the brands. And Nike is Nike. They're a behemoth. They've been around a long time. I think they've got a reputation for keeping things pretty close to their chest. So, yeah, these couple of guys out of Paris were at a hackathon and said let's build something and try and sync with these apps and we built this community and and Nike was a part of the community and we just decided that you know forgiveness not permission which I think is quite a good mantra to live by in startup world so we got in there and we managed to sync with Nike as well as the other apps and he got to a point where we built this community off the back of Nike amongst others and they found out about it and they said you guys are in here and we said yep but The people here are finding a lot of value out of being with us and using our products, and they're also Nike users. We're offering them extra incentives and benefit. And Nike said, this is a bit you know, unusual for us. But yeah, I think we're going to keep you in here. So we're, I think the only company in the world that's actually got direct access to pull into that Nike API. They said, we admire the the just do it attitude and you guys can stay in. So we hacked in and, and they let us stay in. I think if we were to have gone through the appropriate channels, tried to tick all the boxes, say, this is who we are, we'd like to have access to your API. I think almost certainly we would have got kind of held up at the gates.
1: How many years ago was that?
0: That was three years ago. And the founders are still around? Yeah, founders are still around. So a couple of founders, a kind of guy with a marketing background and a guy with a tech background, so a really good mix. The the guy... With the marketing background, is I suppose the more uh, a prominent founder. I suppose the tech guy has slightly less of a stake in the company, but yeah, this guy worked for a company that runs the Tour de France and the Paris Marathon. It's called ASO, and he yeah he just saw an opportunity there. He was also working in consulting, and he just was he realized one day that a lot of people are rewarding people in all aspects of their life, frequent flyer points, you know, flybys, shopping rewards programs, and nobody was doing it for exercise. So he just said it's. A big gap. He said, you know, he's working with Tour de France and Paris Marathon, and brands are just throwing money at those events, and all they're getting is a logo on the event. And that's about the extent of the engagement. So he said, how could we give these brands extra value? How could we offer engagement, you know, above and beyond slapping a logo on an event? And he said, I want to try and build this software. The funniest thing about it is when he first met this guy, so Boris is the founder typical French name don't know Boris uh, the other guys
1: sounds like a Russian hacker
0: yeah exactly yep yeah. and the other guys called JC the, the thing they originally did this hackathon was they tried to build a GPS tracker a competitor to a Nike Plus a TomTom Tom, uh, a Fitbit and they said we want to build this app basically that rewards people so you sign up to the app you're running your cycling your skiing is tracked and then it's like frequent flyer points for running or cycling or skiing so you get points and then we'll have big brands on there you know 200 points to you Mark equals 30% off your Nike okay, okay. Chill,
1: chill 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 we want you to slow down just a little bit. You're too good. You're going too fast for our listeners now. Okay. Just, so let's just talk about this, Sam. Okay. So we had a couple of blokes who went yeah. to a hackathon mm-hmm. who were going to build a GPS system to compete with all the other GPS systems around the place. Mm-hmm. And instead of that, somehow they got into the back. They built a community, and Nike was part of the community. And somehow they got into the back door, right? Into the Nike system, and they 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 got a lot of data. Mm-hmm. And now what you're telling me is it's interesting because you're saying to me. Uh, and this is like the top line story. This is the top line message. But um, the top line message is that um, you know, you have all these massive communities of bike riders or runners or whatever they are, and there's uh, nothing ever. There's no no one pulling the community together. Nothing's really ever happening. You know, you get a bit of sponsorship here and there, but that's about it. And then, and then you said, well, then you went on to say, which I think is a is a, is a fair point. Um, there's no one's actually ever applied a frequent flyers or reward system to the community for. Mm-hmm. The more they is it the more they use the app, or is it the more they they so it's, compete? it's purely exercise based. The more so they actually, the more you put in, the more the more, you more activity. Get out. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. But really, though, or put let's put everything aside. Um, it's a great way of um, getting people to feed data in, into a system, and you build you you look at the metrics of the data of the community, and all of a sudden you've got a ready-made um, market of sporting users which you then can market to somebody else. Nail in the head. Yep, That's exactly it. And it's something that – And how do you get paid? I mean, how do you guys get paid?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting question. It's something I'm actually grappling whether we need to be a bit more upfront about because the thing is you sign up for – it's called Running Heroes – And I think the inherent skepticism of a lot of Australians can be a bit of a hindrance to us. So we say, you sign up, you track your running or your cycling or skiing as you normally would. You rack up points, you get discounts from brands you'd never get anywhere else. And we also give away stuff every week. So we challenge people. So you get winning thousands of dollars worth of prizes, holidays, shoes, experiences all over the world. And people are saying, what's the catch? yeah well, it, what is it because that's my question what yeah. is, what's your message there's no catch it's a no-brainer. no No, I, I get there's no so, catch so essentially we're, we're a really targeted digital marketing platform so the way we make money is to yeah talk to a Nike or an Adidas or an Uber or Spotify and, you know instead of them taking out a static ad in a running magazine or a static ad as a, a leaderboard m rec on a website they can come to us and actually engage and motivate and inspire a community but also it's a message around a new product they've got or a, a, a message they want to spread or a narrative they want to tell so they're inspiring and Engaging people so you, rather than just slapping an ad,
1: right? But you, because the way I look at it, I mean, this is how most, you know, most of the digital, um, the successful digital programs work. Is you're building a marketplace, and I, I just wonder why you just don't sort of. I mean, not, I'm not here to give anyone advice, but I just don't know why, why they just don't go up front and say, "Listen, we're building a marketplace of sporting communities, and what we're going to do is we're going to get good deals for you. Um, and if you join, the what well, I would join the community mm. if I knew that it was." Going to result in by me offering up my data mm. um, that I was going to result in me getting discounts from Nike to buy a pair of shoes or whatever, mm. which I would otherwise not get. Mm. Is is that sort of? I think
0: that's fair. I think it's something that we're looking at at the moment whether we need to be a bit more you know transparent. Not that we're never not transparent. A lot of people in our inbox say, you know, guys, we don't want you to fold. <laughs> How are you making money? Are you all okay? And and then we tell them. But maybe we do need to be a bit more upfront about it. I think it's yeah, yeah. a I think it's a fair. Because point.
1: I don't think anyone really has. a I mean. I don't think most people would have a problem with it. I mean, if they get if you're offering them it's not them a sensitive, discount, not highly sensitive no, data. No, 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 and, and what do you do with the data though? By the way, so let's say I put on there. Let's say that um, I'm one of the people registered for ten thousand steps per mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this this month for September? There's a there's a, a charitable thing on this September because one of my sons is doing ten thousand steps, and I'm actually sponsoring him. Um, let's say I register for that, and I. I put my data up and I do 10,000 today and 10,001 steps tomorrow and 10,002 steps next day. Um, where does that data go? Like, uh, so, so we
0: collect on sign up. It'll be sort of either through your Facebook, pretty standard sign up—Facebook, yep. Google, or an, an email address, yep. which is fine. And then we you sync your activity tracker, whatever it is, Fitbit, Runkeeper, yep. Garmin, and then we our API talks to the API of those trackers and we pull in your activity data. So it's yeah, it's it's literally just top level, nothing personal. Your activity data around how many steps you've done. So to say,
1: Mark Boras, ten thousand steps yep.
0: on Thursday. Yep. Um, but where? That stays in a library, or yeah, yeah. There's a, a CRM a system that we house yeah. all the data in. But we so our algorithm is quite sophisticated. So we calculate the points that you get based on your duration, your distance, the elevation. So if you're going uphill, you'll get more points, and the the speed that you're also doing it. So there's a whole bunch of basically we need to pull in that data so our algorithm can work to fairly reward you. We won't just say mark ten thousand steps equals one hundred running heroes points. Yep. It's a lot more sophisticated because we don't want to reward elitism. You know, if you're going out there and having a crack for an hour. You run a seven-minute K, you get the same reward as me who might do that in in half an hour. So we want to encourage mass participation.
1: Right, okay. And then – so the data sits in your CRM Mm -hmm. and you've got my data, your data, Hugh's data, everyone everyone in this room's data – um, does and do you uh, so and then you know obviously I'm you know I'm accumulating points which mm. I get it. Mm. Um, do you pass the data to anywhere or do you just hold the data and who can, who can access can I access the data can I look at everyone else's data or I can only look at my own data or. No, it's all it's
0: all held and we keep it under wraps. Again, it's an interesting conversation. It's something that we're looking into more. We do have a lot of this amazing data, and for me, I think it's a big business opportunity that we need to leverage more. So it's there's precent. Actually, as of basically last week, with this, we actually sold a, a project to the Paris government, which was using all of our data. We used the data, scientists as well, and we showed them all of the data around – because Paris, we massive. We've got 600,000 users, so it's a big, big, big sample size around the Paris CBD. And basically, all of this data around exercise, time of day, type of exercise – the Paris government is using to inform their town planning, you know, where should we put a bubbler, Mm. a park, you know, street signs, you know, how can we forecast, you know, for the future of Paris public transport. So, it's something that Strava is also doing, a big activity tracker, but apart from Strava, we're the only company who's actually dabbling in that space. So, Lots of data there and, and you know, if, if anyone has any ideas on exactly how we could use it, that'd be great, but it's an opportunity for us. At the moment, it just sits there and we use it to reward people and inspire people, but there's a bigger play there, I think.
1: Right, so so you're effectively an aggregation platform, mm-hmm. aggregating all the uh, Fitbits of the world, yep. uh, the data that we all load into those environments, um, and then you're aggregating it and then you're... you're technologist guys uh, or your mathematicians are uh, somehow dissecting it and splicing it up and sort of, um, apart from giving me rewards, but you're actually Mm. in the background sort of looking at the data to try and make sense of it. What what does it all mean? Exactly. You're doing analysis. Exactly. And and you're trying to work out what you can do with it, but you don't really know what you can do at this stage. But I'd say, you know, in a medical environment, you could be used. I mean, look, I don't know, over time, as as you get big enough um, samples, you'll know Mm. a lot about people. Mm. And health and fitness... I mean, this is interesting because um, in the banking industry, individual banks for a long time have been collecting the data on every transaction that you do with them, mm-hmm. um, but no one has actually put all the bank's data together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that one person can sort of say, you know, I know the activity of you with every bank that you bank with.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Each individual bank knows, but no one knows it altogether, mm-hmm. which means I know your behaviour. So behavioural science today is a big deal. Um, you know, how we behave – uh, the science of how we behave more, more more importantly, and what I mean by science is you know what 's proven what 's not proven what 's data what 's data driven what's what can I therefore predict mm. as a result of knowing your historical behavior mm-hmm. and knowing your behavior vis a vis your community then how the community behaves and where the changes in behavior are and I think it 's an extraordinarily powerful environment that's coming out as a re, um, as a result of digitization generally I and mean, we digitize about everything we do these days, particularly sport mm. um, and i it's a it's a sort of a – I think there's a lot more to it than just like a frequent the way i I introduced you there's a frequent flyer <laughs> uh, system for people who mm. um, use fitbits um, it's really below it. Some people might see it as an evil thing or potentially sinister. Um, I don't, but I mean, I don't. I mean, if you don't like it, don't join. But uh, mm, I don't okay. see that. But uh, you know, but potentially beneficial too. Like uh, as you say, like uh, if you went to the Sydney City Council and said to uh, Clover Muller, Clover, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of people in Sydney who finish their running session at uh, blah blah. So mm. the town all there's no bloody water there, or mm. they'd like to wash their hands, or they'd like uh, somehow to freshen up. I mean, I, why don't you set up a, a health food store there? You know that exactly. I mean that sort of stuff and and now someone say, well, that's not tr- not fair because, you know, you know, you're using my data. Yeah, but at the same time, mate, you're. The health food store for your benefit.
0: Yeah, I mean that's interesting. Again, something I've never considered is: do you talk to you know retailers in the health space who are looking at potential you know side options? And you know they can get demographic scope, they can get you know population, they can get a whole bunch of, of metrics there, but they can't actually get activity. So if you're a gym, for example, or you're yeah someone who's specialising in running, nutrition, or health food, game hadn't considered that. I, I think that's well. I, think, I mean, it, like everybody yeah.
1: says. I mean, like they say that women should take their. Um, supplement drinks before they train, and men yep. should take it after they train. Mm-hmm. So, if you know everywhere the women start their training, if you know that most women start training, they start their training event. Like to say the runners, they start mm-hmm. from town hall, or you know, ten percent of the population. Then, I mean, if you could offer a, 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 a some sort of supplement drink before they train, or alternatively, most men end at town hall. Or you know, some some of the botanical gardens. If if there was someone who went in there and said, "Listen, here's a supplement drink because you just finished training because you're supposed to have these supplements within 20 minutes," mm-hmm. and it's a pain in the ass having put it in your car the pound and you have to have water to it and all that bullshit. So, but if someone actually just hand you a bottle, so let's say for example, a good one, a good example of that is and he's a friend of the show is Adam McDougall. He's got the manshake. So if Adam had a woman shake and a man shake and he knew that, you know, if he got the data from you and he'd have to pay for it, I guess, or somehow cut you into the deal. Mm. Um, he could offer a woman shake where women start training from and a man shake where men – just little stations, like little pop-ups. Mm. I reckon that'd be – that's an example where this data mm. becomes quite valuable. In the next 20 years, um, we will be totally catered for in the most efficient manner in everything we do in terms of health. Mm-hmm where we train what we eat after we train what our program is i was talking to a bloke the other day Sam and uh, he was telling me that um this he's, he gave me this unbelievable program that he attends to every single day he gets up and he has um, um apple cider mixed with water and uh some uh, kale and he mixes that up and then about an hour later he has this and then two hours later he has that and it's about losing weight but at the same time keeping your energies up but unless you know um You know what your training program is, and you got to do these things in the most efficient way. You need this data, Mm -hmm. so this is brilliant. I mean, I love this. uh, I'm going to call Sport Heroes. I I do. By the way, can I look at how I perform against you?
0: Yes, you can.
1: So, so what (laughs) I have to register? No, so we. Do you rank
0: people? Yeah, so. Not typically it's something we're building in, like a friends feature. We've been, yeah, you know, we've yeah, had yeah. that request, so I can follow you, I can see how you're tracking. That's going to launch really soon. But what we also do is build digital experiences for brands like uh, Citrus Surf, the Iconic, uh, Paris Marathon Tour de France, Unicef. And through those experiences, you join up, and there's always leaderboards, there's always ways you can track. So Citrus Surf, we just built the first app they've ever had. Biggest fun run in the world, which was great. And there was a section of it called My Training. So in the lead up to City Surf, when you were doing all your training, completing challenges every week, you could see, you know, compared to people who were your time bracket, say it's sub 70 minutes. How am I tracking? Am I quicker? Am I slower? Am I doing more training? Am I doing less training? So, yeah, it's a big part of the experience. People want to see how they compare to like I suppose people of a similar level, they don't really care, you're, you know, the the elite and I'm number a thousand. But if I'm in your age group and we're a similar standard of, of runner, that's something that the community really
1: wants to track. It's interesting because, you know, like if you go to the doctors now and you get a blood test and um I don't know, let's say it's um let's say it's uh cholesterol. Um and when they give you your results <clears throat> excuse me, because you know medical profession's been collecting data for a long time. Um, what they do is they give me a range of what it should be for my age and for my my gender and also for my. They've got it down so fine now that the pathology organisation's got it down so fine that it's also for for my whether I'm Caucasian or Asian, mm. and um, they they within that range they tell me where I sit. Sure, and it's it's quite um quite um smart and in, um quite uh, intuitive because then the doctor who's reading it can actually sort of say mark there's something odd. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean I'm good or bad. It just means mark you you're if you're outside the range, further investigation. And as the medical profession've been doing it for years because the more data they collect, the more information they get and the better they can sort of work the ranges out. And I wonder whether or not over time what you're what you're doing um Will allow people to take this to their medical practitioner or their medical advisor or consultant, mm-hmm. and sort of say, "Look, I've been training for seven weeks, and the best I can do is uh, you know eighty-five minutes for the city to surf, mm-hmm. and that puts me outside the range for my age group. Um, is there something wrong, or is there something I should be doing?" And I wonder whether this is going to—I mean, I don't know if you thought—is this is going to start to evolve to bring new types of professionals into the our environment, sporting experts or mm. um some sort of expert who's mm. trained who can sort of say okay Sam you're outside the range mate you're you know you're in the 25 35 year old range you've uh, been training like everybody else and uh you, instead of doing um you know you should be between somewhere between 55 minutes for the city surf and 65 minutes but you know 95 minutes there's something wrong mm. let's do a further investigation mm. That sort of data is powerful, and it's good mm. for the for the country. It's good for our health system. Mm. It's good for productivity. It's sure. good across the board. I mean, mm. I I don't know if it's, we're probably a bit early for this, but I can mm. see the evolution. And you guys, sporting heroes or sport heroes, is sort of the way I see it is at the forefront of this by using the um, technology that the the Fitbits. Of the world have produced. It's interesting. So where we are, Fitbits came in a few years ago, and everyone wow. wow. Mm. Now what's happening is we're starting to start say, well, now what can we do with the information that Fitbits mm. produces? Mm. And then the next, well, how do we gather it first? You're in the gathering stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do we engage people to allow us to gather? So you're using the community to, to get them engaged, and the way you're engaging them is you're offering them, you know, you're offering rewards. Sure. That's the old, the oldest, yep. one of the gamifying book. it. Yep. Humans totally, slowly, that's totally, fine. totally. Yep. But then, then the next evolution of that will be: now, what can we do with that? Mm. How do we benefit the community, and how do the people who use this actually get the ultimate benefit? Mm. And we must go through every stage of the evolution, and we can sort of resist and say, "Oh fuck them," you know, like it's not fair. They got all this information. I don't, I don't want them knowing about me. I'm not going to register my right name. and yep. all that sort yep. of bullshit. Yep. Um, but like, and privacy, etc., and civil rights. I, I understand that. But in order to get community-based benefits, we actually have to give up our rights. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you guys have that debate internally, the ethical yeah. debate? Uh, look, I, I suppose for us it's pretty
0: clear-cut because, you know, number one, we're never coercing or forcing anyone into you know, signing up and linking their tracking app. If you want to sign up and never link a tracking app and just kind of sit there and read our content and kind of engage with the community, fine. But, you know, you know exactly what you're doing. You've got to take the step to then link your tracking app. And I think for us there, you know, it's it's a bit altruistic. It's a bit purpose-driven and that we just exist to motivate and inspire people. You know, we'd never do anything untoward with that data. We'd never kind of sell it off to a third party, I suppose. So for us, I think, yeah, it came from a really good place, which was motivation-inspiring.
1: Yeah, well, I just I'm going to go to the break now. But after the break, I want to talk about this because it'd be, I'm I'm totally curious about. I mean, I'm curious about the whole data industry, mm. whether it's in financial services, banking, or whether it's just at the at the e-commerce level, where you know people who collect their goods, might uh, you know, from automated. Locker systems that you can work out people's behaviour, mm. um, and you're doing it with sport, and yours has a big health, um, big health sort of uh, impact. So after the break, I want to come back and talk about this sort of stuff because, you know, you're at the forefront of this stuff. I need to talk about the evolution of data and what's important. I mean, we're just gonna shoot the breeze. Sounds good. Okay. Well, welcome back to The Mentor. Um, I'm here with Sam Canavan from Sport Heroes. um, And so we covered off what Sport Heroes did there with the history was sort of evolved from a a hackathon and some guys hacking in and eventually got to the Nike data and they've done a deal with Nike and it's uh, doing brilliantly overseas. And Sam's here running the franchise, let's call it the franchise or the distribution in Australia. That's correct, Sam? Subsidiary, subsidiary, that'll do, um, and uh, and and it's basically what it is. It's a, it's an amalgam. It's an aggregation platform for all the Fitbits and all the people who feed into Fitbits their sporting activity, and it's then uh, giving the offering all these people who participate um, onto the platform free and flyer points, prizes, discounts, etc., through various vendors. That's a great business. I love it. It's a typical community aggregation platform and or marketplace. Great stuff. We started talking about, and I'm not going to put Sam on the spot here, but I am, um, about the future. (laughs) Um, You know, like the future of where these things go to. uh, And it comes down to uh, privacy, issues of privacy and uh, civil rights. But I I think it also comes down to things like accuracy, you know, what's accurate. And we had this whole – um, discussion this week in the financial review uh, as a result of UBS uh, United Bank of Switzerland doing a, a survey on borrowers mortgage borrowers in Australia who have actually lied in their applications uh, according to UBS called uh, liar loans in other words you know a certain percentage of people weren't actually accurate with what they said so Sam how do we know whether or not people who participate with sport heroes onto your platform are actually not lying about the amount of activity that they carry on in other words they did a 3 minute mile or th- 3 minute uh, th- three, 3 minute, minute yeah, yeah.
0: record unbelievable Look, it's, it's something we're really cognizant of. So there's a few factors that come into play. The first factor is our community, massive community. If they see Mark, you're running, let's say, you look pretty fit, five-minute Ks, and suddenly you log in activity, three-and-a-half-minute Ks, or literally get people in the inbox saying, you know, what's happening this guy? Yep, yep, more Ba-bong. or less. So there's hey. that. There's a community bullshit radar. But there's a couple of other things. One is that we only track GPS-based activity. So GPS-based is the most accurate and the most stringent data that you can get. So if you're running inside on a treadmill or you're trying to import a manual activity, you can't do it. So you can't input manually. You can't say, yeah, I went out for a 10K run. It only took me yeah, 30 but You minutes. can't journalize
1: it. You can't put a journal in. Yeah,
0: You can't put a journal in. Uh, and then the other factor is the algorithm is very sophisticated, built over many, many years with hundreds of thousands of individual activities. So we're honing it time and time again. And you get a pop-up. It'll say, I'm sorry, we can't accept this activity. You're you're too fast to be human. So if you've jumped in the car and tried to hook around for 10 kilometers in 15 minutes, it'll get rejected. Your activity won't sink. So very conscious of fairness.
1: Right. I mean, I I guess, um, is that your algorithm or is that the algorithm that um, gets supplied to you by the Fitbit
0: no, that's completely our algorithm. Right. So again, part of the unique tech is that we built this algorithm. So distance, time, duration, uh, elevation. So you're getting awarded uh, based exactly on your activity and your exertion. It doesn't matter if you're elite or if you're a little bit slower, you can get rewarded for going out there and exercising. So the algorithm is extremely important. We built it for swimming now. We built it for cycling, for skiing, and obviously for running and walking.
1: Right. It's it's interesting how jealousy, and irrespective of the, you know, the intelligence of the technology, mm. jealousy still prevails and people give you up, basically. Yep. They'll say, fuck you, you didn't do that. There's no way in the world, Boris, you did a three-minute mile or a three-minute <laughs> kilometre or whatever it is. Because um, <laughs> you never get rid of those sort of things. I don't care mm-hmm. how good the technology You're not going to get rid of human emotion. Mm-hmm. Human emotion is always going to prevail, always prevails over and top of everything. So, and we talk sometimes about artificial intelligence. Um, Now, artificial intelligence would actually – take all the data that historically that's there for me for example and then would make a prediction based on um what they think i will do and also they would they'll take and obviously there's a lot more complication to it because they do build algorithms around which facebook does all the time We build algorithms around my various behavior but also the behavior of my community the behavior of my age group the behavior of uh my gender the behavior of blah 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 and my behavior as well and they build up a a sort of a, an outcome based um, profile. I mean, they profile me, which is like is so incredibly um, interesting. This profiling process, and then they sell me something, mm-hmm. um, or they they direct me somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see this in sport heroes? I mean, where do you see the data ending up? I mean, like you know, in, in a good sense, in a positive sense. Sure. So, you know, what would your ideal thing be in ten years' time with all the stuff you're gathering from people? What would you like mm-hmm. to be able to talk to them about?
0: I think there's a lot of opportunity there through, through both our own channels and through someone like a Facebook. So it's interesting you bring up Facebook. When they're trying to target you and say, you know, I'm uh, a brand who wants to target active people or runners, essentially all you can do is narrow down to the pages you like involved with running, Nike, Strava, et cetera, and your, your interest, that's about it. So in Australia, for example, you can't target on Facebook based on purchase behavior because the sample size isn't big enough. So in America, you can say, I want to target people who are more inclined to purchase a particular product or a specific product. Can't do that in Australia. So for us, I think it's interesting to potentially talk to someone like a Facebook or another digital marketing platform or Google and sort of say, this is an end user. You know, you could charge a premium for this. You are, If you're wanting to talk to brands who want to actually engage with people who are exercising, you can't make any bones about this. If you have a cursory like of a Nike Plus page and you never run uh, a minute in your life, nobody's going to know. As far as Facebook's concerned, you're interested in exercise and you do exercise with our data we know exactly how much you exercise. You know, We know the frequency with which you exercise. So that's a big opportunity, I think, for us to talk to someone like that to, you know, just give people a more targeted experience and give advertisers a more targeted way of reaching people. There's also definitely opportunity around customization and personalization. So, Mark, if, if our app or our algorithm could know that you were disinclined to run on one day or more inclined to run on another day and we could, you know, we knew you only run, you know, Wednesday, Friday morning and we could send you custom notifications on a thursday morning with a specific offer you know mark you only run wednesday friday run a thursday you know you complete 5ks today bang 50 percent off your nike this expires in you know 10 minutes so we could make you know a lot more urgency based offers a lot more specified and targeted offers, could you get my,
1: my could you get my mobile phone or my uh, my digital clock radio to wake me up because i you know i run on fridays and wake <laughs> me up at 4 30 yeah look through i mean i'm serious could, i mean yeah yeah i mean that that's going to happen yep through things like this, I mean, th- this process could say, he knows Mark runs every Friday morning at uh, five a.m. Um, in the summer because the sun's up at five a.m. He doesn't like to do it in the winter because the sun's not up, mm-hmm. and, he, you know, and he'll trip over something. So, but what and uh, therefore you you interrogate you say, Mark, would you like us to wake you up tomorrow morning four thirty a.m. Yes. Mm. And wake me up four thirty AM, and it might wake me up with, uh, you know, something uh, like uh, "Eye the Tiger,", Eye the Tiger. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Rocky, <laughs> Rocky stuff. You know, and yeah. uh, and but or, or you might know over time what music actually get what I music I listen to mm. when I do run, mm. because you might be have somehow lock into my uh, iTunes or my. Uh, you know, my, 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 smartphone mm. and listen to what, know what I'm listening to. Mm-hmm. And you might ask me, you just might say, Mark, what is it you want us to, what gets you most revved up? So you might actually be able to say when Mark listens to the eye of the tiger when he's running, his heartbeat increases by a half a pace. Mm. And, uh, and you might then come back to me and say, Mark, we noticed this. Do you like that? And, and uh, I say, yes. And all of a sudden I wake up at four thirty 30 in the morning because of the eye of the tiger because it actually gets my heart rate up, which then bounces me. And then of course my coffee machine could be connected to all this, my mm-hmm. Nespresso machine could be connected to all this and it automatically builds me in a, sp- uh, a short black because that's what gets me going the most. Mm. I can see this sort of stuff happening. <laughs> yep. How cool is it though? Or is it cool? I mean one <laughs> of the things I want to know is, uh, I mean you, you're a young guy um, and everybody seems to you know, it's a bit like everyone in your age group loves listening to Joe Rogan on his podcast because he's filthy dirty mouth <laughs> bastard. I love it Gary too. Gary yeah. I love, just love it. But uh, yeah. um, My age group just me this morning, I was thinking about this stuff and I was driving in and I thought, you know, I'm not sure. Like, do I really want it? Or do we, or do we just let ourselves get caught up in the momentum and go with it? I mean, what do you think? A man of your – how old are you, 35? 26. 26, there you go. Sorry about that. Were you, born, in, born in the 90s. Okay. okay, well, 26. So what's your generation think? I mean, do you ever think about what I just thought about mm. or do you just say, no, no, it's part of what I'm, how I'm brought up. Mm. It's part of my generation. I just go with it. Interesting. I think it's a really common misconception. This is something I was talking
0: at Mumbrella. They had a health and wellness seminar last week and one of the speakers was talking about, you know, data, privacy and, you know, linking in AI, all this sort of stuff. And they were saying, misconception is if you're a teenager or you're Gen Y or Gen X, you're a bit flippant about this. You don't really mind about your data or your privacy. The studies they've done actually show the opposite. So you guys are worried, your generation? Well, I mean, look, Not worried is probably another really. I right word, but we're, we're conscious, we're cognizant of it. We don't want to be handing it over willy-nilly. I think in my situation where it's health-related and, you know, knowing that's such a big problem in the world, knowing obesity levels are rising at such a rapid rate, I think health-related data, if there's anything that can help me exercise more and get better results, particularly in the Instagram age, where unfortunately the vacuous nature of that means people are more motivated to look good uh, on Instagram, Yeah, you know, hashtag... Reexpiration. So, if, if it helps me do that, I'm I'm completely well, okay. That's, with
1: it. What I, that's what I understand, Sam. Because, like, all right, let's take away the fears of privacy. I'm not mm. I'm not really thinking about that so much. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about uh, th- there's a there's a concept around the world today about uh, growth, growth, economic growth, productivity growth. Um, your generation doing more in a day. Um, being more productive per hour, being more efficient. Mm-hmm. But is that the right way to go? I mean, is it actually – because, like, I, I, I worry – one of the things that worry, I truly do worry about is that maybe not your generation but, like, a, more, a couple more generations beyond you, that it's going to be – we're going to become so efficient that our body won't be able to adjust and we'll actually burn out really fast. You know, the question is – and this is a bit of a, you know, theoretical discussion, I guess, but but it's also important, I think – um, and I'm interested in your generation's view. Do you ever worry that you never get a break from it all? Like you never get a break because you know you're getting your Fitbit looked at, your your, your mobile phones tracking you, you're walking, your number of pace you make, you're on holidays, it's still tracking you. You know people still hitting you up with an email, you are hitting you with a text, they're hitting you on WhatsApp, they're hitting you on Viber, they're hitting you on blah blah blah. And you're and you're looking at Snapchat, and you're looking at Facebook. Do you ever thought to say, "Fuck this, I can't do this anymore." Like, uh, and I need a break. You know, when does your brain need a break? I'd love to know if there's any studies on this. We Mm. should look this up, uh, Huey. But like, is there a capacity limit Mm -hmm. of our brain to be continually hit up with stuff?
0: I think definitely. I think there are some studies you could dig into them for sure around, you know, cognitive overload, the fact we can only make so many decisions in a day, the fact that, you know, being tied to technology can be a, a hindrance rather than a help. Even a guy called uh, Cal Newport, I believe, uh, who wrote a book called Deep Work talks about the fact that, you know, even the slightest pinging notification, if we think that we're sitting there cracking some work for two hours and we get a, a text message, which seems like quite an innocuous notification, quick reply, even breaking from that cycle can set you back so much in your productivity. So I think, yeah, I mean, For me personally, I don't know if you were talking off air, but I'm actually (laughs) actually feeling this a lot at the moment. As of tomorrow, I'm going on a 10-day silent meditation retreat. So I'm feeling the need to just completely disconnect and switch off. And I think... It's no coincidence that there's been this surge in words like mindfulness and you know uh, switching off, trying to disconnect from technology, trying to be you know meditate more, trying to do more yoga. I think a lot of people of my age feel like it can be a little bit overwhelming at times. Notifications are pinging in. I mean, full credit to Apple; they've done a great job. But these iPhones are, are wired, constructed, and built to be addictive. We're listlessly scrolling on social media again, built to be addictive. That's their business model. It's about returning customers and and high engagement. So for sure, I think there comes a point where you you get a bit overwhelmed it's interesting to even look at a company called Punk out of the US P U N K T who made the dumb phone so we've gone right back, full circle, to the Nokia 3315. This one doesn't even have snake on it, though. So, I mean, you know, don't really see the point in it. But you can make calls and you can text and that's it. It's designed by this amazing Scandinavian designer. It looks sleek. It fits nicely in your pocket. The battery life is 60 days. Huh. Yeah, you text call, no internet access. They're selling them for $500 a pop and the company's worth, you know, tens of millions of dollars. So I think it's interesting. We'll see also a trend towards the complete opposite. Yes, we're connected. Yes, tech is everywhere. Yes, AI but it's also going to come the opposite way and there are going to be businesses who say, we're going to rebut that. We want to
1: help people to switch off rather than be more connected. Well, that's because you just said something really interesting a few moments ago, like you're going on a 10-day silent retreat, mm-hmm. Retreat, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and really that's because you're trying to make yourself more efficient because you know that you will burn out. So efficiency is not only about being, you know, like getting every more out of every minute of every day, but it's equally it's about getting balance so that when I come back to it I can get more out of every day. So you're going to have 10 mm-hmm. days off so when you, on your 11th day when you get back into it, you actually can be just as efficient as you were Mate, before. I'll either be
0: a monk with a shaved head who's vegan and celibate or I will, you know, talk everyone's ear off or it might be somewhere in between and I have some nice inside and business ideas. But that's certainly a trend. I think that'll be happening Well, I worry about all
1: that because I, I don't know. I don't know whether it's, uh, you know, this punked idea mm. is a better idea, whether we're actually more efficient when we're not efficient.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's, again, a lot of guys have written, you know, Bertrand Russell in praise of being idle, in praise of idleness. A lot of, you know, creatives talk about working only two hours a day and they extol the virtues of napping and hiking and, you know, only switching their mind on for a really targeted couple of hours worth of work. And then you've got your Tim Ferrisses of the world, the four-hour work week, productivity, productivity, productivity. And I think, you know, we're probably reaching a point where a lot of people are just feeling overwhelmed. I, I, you know, even me, you know, full disclosure, I often feel at the end of the day like I haven't been productive enough and it's kind of a bit bit of anxiety in the pity of stomach. I should have done more. I should have crammed more in. Even, you know, you feel like you need stimulation all the time. So if I'm commuting, I need to be listening to an audiobook, learning something, listening to a podcast, being productive rather than just sitting, letting my mind switch off, being idle. And again, that's why something like mindfulness is such a big trend, I think, because People, I'm sure, you know, you would have felt this. I'm sure a lot of people who, who, you know, in various businesses have felt this. You feel like you're too
1: connected. Yeah, it's too connected and too many things to do. I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't know. But sometimes I I go hard, then I go, then I pull back, then I go hard, then Mm -hmm. I pull back. And that's just, all my life I've done that. That's just been like an instinct of mine, but I've never really thought about it. And I think your generation and you guys think about these things more than i ever thought. I and mean, we never thought about mindfulness. We never thought about mm-hmm. taking a ten-day break, you know, where we did nothing. Because you know, like like twenty years ago, when I went, on, when, if I went on a trip to to Hong Kong for work, the only way you could contact me was actually ring me in the hotel. Mm-hmm. Or, or and and if you didn't ring me in the hotel, or you didn't send me a fax, you didn't contact me. So I just went about went about did my work, mm-hmm. and then I would and I would have much more energy. Like uh, and I think that. I, my gut feeling is my gut feeling I'm not a scientist but my gut feeling is that we're all given a, like we had given a certain amount of insulin we're all given a certain amount of energy in our life mm-hmm. given a certain amount of heartbeats in our heart and I think that if um, you know we if we use up those things at an earlier date we'll drop off or we'll die earlier that's my view and I, I, don't, I don't care how advanced medicine is, um, it, your heart's only meant to beat a certain number of times. You're not going to make it beat longer. And I actually wonder whether this sort of striving for efficiency actually might end up making us die younger than making us live a longer life and a more, more quality life, more fruitful life. And hmm. sport, one of the things you might want to consider is sport heroes might be able to educate us on this stuff and might be able hmm. to take us down that track. I mean, one of the things would be great. I'd love to get onto your website or any website for that matter and maybe just open up the debate about this sort of concept Because what that does is that, without you having to disclose what you do and who you share the data with, it shows that you are actually thinking about the ethical concepts and that you are opening the debate, opening the discussion, allowing other people to put their views up there and putting your views up there and directing us where we should read. You know, I'd love to know where I should go to. I don't want to read a popular book, but like, where's a scientific analysis of this, or who's doing a PhD on this, or mm. you know, what are the what are the uh, published papers on these sorts of things about? chasing efficiency, and Mm. therefore, should I join the efficiency cycle? Mm. Yours is an efficiency cycle. That's Mm. what you're doing. It's Uh, an
0: efficiency cycle, yes, but I think – the reason I like it, the reason I find a lot of purpose in it, is ultimately nobody is disputing the benefits of exercise, the benefits of cardiovascular exercise especially. So yes, we are offering something which is tech driven and you know promotes connectedness and promotes efficiency. But I think the overarching outcome for people is they're fitter and therefore they're healthier, which has the snowball effect or the halo effect into other aspects of their life. You become more productive, you become you know your mental health is better. You know all the stats around exercise. So I think yes, uh, in you know some tools which are trying to make things more. efficient for you in a professional sense there, there might be overkill but I think for, from my perspective I like the fact that ultimately at its core we're just trying to get people to exercise more than they would have and I think that
1: helps them in so many other aspects of their life. It's, it's, it's a fascinating discussion. I always give everybody an opportunity to ask me one question Sam what's your question for me?
0: My question is we've had a chat today you've learned a bit about the business are we missing a trick? What is a trick that we're missing? What would you think about doing if you were in my shoes or you are one, you know, one of the uh, rogue hackers in Paris, one of the founders? What do you think potentially is, is interesting for us in coming years? Because we're only a few years old. Yeah,
1: I, 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 well, just, just from this discussion, and I, I might have a different view on it, like on it in a month's time, but just from this discussion right now, I think that you guys could be a thought leader, your website – could be a thought leader on this whole concept of what are we chasing? You know, what's the outcome we're trying to achieve? Through, I mean, I know that this is about um, getting encouraging people to be fitter and more healthy. I get that 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 part's great, but that's the that's the vanilla bit of what you're doing. Um, but you are part of the of the the treadmill, part of the cycle, and the whole being a thought leader around chasing efficiency just for efficiency's sake, where does it, is that, a, is that a descending curve? Is that just going down to a place where we're just doing so many things because we're so efficient, we can do so many things, we're actually going to become inefficient because we're going to burn ourselves out. Um, that would be a great thought process or a thought leader. And I, I think that organisations like yours who have great take-up, good reputations, in a, in, you're operating in the health environment, so you, know, you have a, a high right purpose, a good, right purpose, Mm -hmm. can actually gain a great deal of brand strength and power by being a thought leader around what people probably haven't thought about or are struggling with and trying to put into context. As I said, it's not about civil rights. It's not about private – it's not about any of that shit. It's about where the world is going today. Where are we going with this efficiency? And I would have that on my website, and I actually would engage people, engage all your community – have you stopped to think about this, Mr. Bike Rider or Mr. Mm. Jogger or whatever it is? And what is what are your views? Engage your community. Ask them to come back to you and tell you what you think. And ultimately, instead of thinking about, I mean, obviously this is all about exit strategies these businesses, who's going to buy me? Mm. I mean, I wonder whether you should go the opposite way. Instead of thinking about Facebook and building this for Facebook or building it for Google, maybe you should build it for the community so that they can actually have something to actually arm wrestle Facebook with and arm wrestle Google with. Maybe this mm. should be community-owned. So. If I join you, um, this becomes like a credit union. I become a member and my membership is valuable. Mm-hmm. i got to pay two bucks to become a member mm-hmm. and my membership is valuable so that when you do sell it, um, members get uh, 10% of the proceeds. Mm. Interesting.
0: Again, I like thought unit. of it. Yeah, yeah.
1: So you turn it into a cooperative and then mm. you commercialize the cooperative. So all of a sudden everyone says, well – these guys are going to make a lot of dough when they sell it to Facebook. I want to be part of that because they're using my data. I'm going to be in that 10%. So you just keep every time a member joins it, you just dilute that 10%. So, mm-hmm. you know, you start, let's say there's 10 of us and we have the 10%, we'll have 1% each. Um, Then uh, another 10 people come in and we get diluted by half. So we now get, uh, you know, 0.5%. But we still got a percentage of a bigger business because the thing becomes, I got a smaller percentage of a bigger value because the value is based on the number of people in there. Mm-hmm and you just keep diluting that 10%, but the business is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and more valuable, so I'm happy to be diluted. You guys go and sell it to Facebook or Google, you make a billion dollars, and I get my proportion of that 10%. Mm. I like that.
0: I like that. It also puts us on the hook, I think. you know, If somebody's parting with some money, even only a couple of bucks, it's a subscription every year, it puts us on the hook a little bit more to really make sure we're driving forward and providing them value. For them. For them. For yeah. them, exactly.
1: They're your shareholders. And uh, you might say, uh, by the way, you might say this 10%, there's a no vote. They don't get a vote. Mm-hmm. Well, they only get a vote in certain categories. They get a vote about uh, who you might sell it to. But they haven't mm-hmm. got a casting vote. they just got a vote. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't sort of vote what your wage is or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. you can build this up, but it'd be great. It'd be, it's a great business. All of a sudden, you're engaging community into your business. They're all part of your business. You'll get more, you'll get more customers. Yeah, I mean the community is
0: active enough without having to part with any dose. So I can only imagine we'd have to hire another ten people to man the email inboxes.
1: <laughs> but uh, well, for I like two the bucks, idea. you know, like because yeah. so credit unions do all the time. And then what mm. credit unions do, they become banks. And all of a sudden, when, when, if I'm a member, as soon as I join a credit union, I have to, have to become a member, right? To borrow money from a credit union or whatever, put money into a credit union, I have to become a member. What those credit unions do is they, uh, uh, they demutualize, what they call demutualize, mm. and they become, say, a bank. Credit unions can, can become banks. All of a sudden, the members become shareholders in the bank. Now, a bank is much more valuable than a credit union. And then they go and list on the stock exchange. When they list on the stock exchange, they transfer their shareholding. So they go from membership to shareholding to becoming a shareholders in a, a listed entity where you can trade your stock. Mm-hmm. Well, why wouldn't you become a member? Mm. Every day of the week, you deal with a credit union every day of the week, um, cooperative and, and what they call mutuals, because uh, waiting for the day for they do mutualize. This is what I'm talking about here for you. Mm. You're effectively saying we're building a mutual up. We're building a community, which is like a mutual. Mm-hmm. And one day we intend to demutualize, mm-hmm. at which point all members get a benefit. All right, that's cool. Mm. Be fun.
0: That's great. I mean, plus you're getting the ongoing benefit while you're part of the community of your awards, your discounts, your motivation, and then I'm the an carry owner. on
1: top. I'm an owner. That's what it means. It means I'm an owner. Yeah. It doesn't matter it's what my percentage, I'm an owner. I'm with you.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. One of our values of the company is kind of around, you know, everyone's an entrepreneur. Every employee of the company is an entrepreneur. We're we're all vested in, and even if we don't have equity, and we all you know have a stake in that company. So it could be extending that philosophy to the actual community.
1: Let's talk to the two French dudes. Yeah, and <laughs> can't uh, speak
0: a word of French. But, uh, but if you want Boris to, to come and talk to me, I'll talk to him.
1: <laughs> well, thanks very much, Sam. I really enjoyed it. that. Was great. Totally interesting. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it.
0: he staying slowing you down? Well, it's time to upgrade. Armadillo builds durable North American made tablet stands and kiosks.
1: We're so confident we offer a lifetime warranty. So elevate your business and visit armadillo.com. That's A-R-M-O-D-I-L-O.com and use code ACAST for 5% off. Armadillo, built to last, designed to impress.